<laughs> Good afternoon. Let me ask you a question. Are you awake? Are you awake? Some of you are kind of tired. I see some of you are wearing your coats and your snow gear, okay? Don't get too warm and fall asleep on me, okay? I promise you I'll be short today so we can get you on the road. The weather's kind of iffy, and I want to make sure that you're safe getting home, but I want you to stay awake and listen to what I have to say today as well. Okay, we are down to the wire, and we have just a few moments left together. How many of you have completed the challenge? Remember my challenge? What was my challenge? Say thank you to the leaders that brought you, right? If you Don't tell them now. It's cheating if you tell them now. You've got to tell them right after we're done, okay? So before you get on the road, as you're loading up your vans, as you're walking back to your rooms, make sure you say thank you to your leaders then so they know that you appreciate them bringing you. So here we are. There's a few of you still holding out, so make sure you do it, okay? God knows whether you've done it or not, and so does your leader. So make sure you do it. I want to say thank you so much for being so attentive this week, uh, this weekend. I really appreciate it. The last 24 hours, we've had a lot of fun together, uh, but it is just about time to head home, and I'm hoping and praying that you will take some of this stuff we've talked about home with you, that you will seriously think about where you're going to spend eternity, and if you know where you're going to spend forever at, are you living your life then uh, in preparation for glorifying God for what he did for you? One of the really neat things about uh, camp is that we get to do a lot of really cool stuff. Today you got to sled, you got to play ping pong, last night you did some floor hockey, you did some miniature golf today, and if I were to ask who here is the best miniature golfer, who would, see there's already a couple hands, see that? Let, let me say, who here thinks that they're the best air hockey player, okay? So there's a couple people saying that, right? How about carpet ball? Okay, so you, there's a number of people here who all think you're the best at something. What does someone who is the best at some kind of, kind of competition often get? What? Beat? They, that's true, they oftentimes do get beat. But what kind of a, what's something that they can take away at the end of a championship to say that they're the winners? A trophy? I got a trophy. This is a trophy that one of my teens in my church received for playing baseball, Little League Baseball, back in Ankeny. And uh, so I thought I'd bring that sh- and show it to you this, mor- this afternoon because he won that for being on the championship baseball Little League team in Ankeny. That was his, his reward for uh, being on the championship team. If, if you were a baseball player, where's my baseball fans at this afternoon? Where are they at? There's a couple. Go Cubs, right? Go Cubs. So, see, a couple of amens. So if, if you were on a baseball team and you were a baseball player and you won the World Series of the Major League Baseball team, what kind of a trophy do they give out? What's it called? Do you know? A medal? A medal? No, it's a trophy. Oh, make sure if I have it on. It's a, tr- no, it's a trophy. Okay, it's a World Series championship trophy for the, per- the team who wins the World Series, the best out of the seven games they play, right? If you're a football player, any football fans this afternoon? Go Chiefs, right? Go Chiefs? Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Shh. Go Chiefs. Um, if your football team won the, won the Super Bowl, like the Chiefs have done recently, uh, they would receive this trophy. They would get that trophy, right? If you're a hockey player, any hockey fans here? Who's your favorite hockey team player or hockey team? Blues, okay, okay. So if you were a hockey player and you won the championship game, you'd win the Stanley Cup, right? You'd win the Stanley Cup. And then, what's the other one? Ba- uh, basketball. Any basketball fans? 
Okay, so some basketball fans here. If you were on a championship winning team for the basketball, for uh, NBA basketball, you'd win this trophy, right? The championship trophy. Did you know, did you know that God gives out rewards too? He does. And we're going to talk about that here this morning. You have your booklet with you, right? You got your booklet? On the page in your booklet we're going to be on this afternoon, there's a crossword puzzle. Okay? It says God's God's reward, and there's a crossword puzzle. We're going to go through some verses this afternoon. And with each screen that I show, at the bottom of the screen, there's going to be some words that are in yellow or gold, right? And there's going to be a number... And then it's, and that, where that number is then is where you're going to fill that particular word in at. So I'm trying to keep your attention this afternoon by having you write in your booklet, okay? So we're going to walk through some verses this afternoon to try and stay together so we can see what it is, some of these rewards that God gives. Here we are in our last session together. We have talked about God's law in Exodus chapter 20, and we've talked about the penalty that we face because we've broken that law. But we've also talked about how God uh, loved us, and he fixed the problem. He gave us a solution by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. This morning, then, we talked about how God's toolbox and how we are part of God's toolbox. And we talked about the fact that each of us are like tools that God wants to use in his word to glorify himself and to serve him and to point people to Jesus so they can have their sins forgiven as well. And this afternoon, then, I want us to talk and speak one more time about God's rewards. So let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into God's word together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for our time we've had these last 24 hours. Thank you for the safety you've given us as we've enjoyed sledding and uh, floor hockey and uh, miniature golf and all sorts of different things. Father, thank you for the food that's been provided, for the time we've had in your word, for the musicians that have led us in song, for the staff that have been keeping us safe and driving us around on snowmobiles and helping us with the sleds and cooking food and all the different people who have made this special weekend possible. Father, we say thank you most especially to you for allowing us to come to hear from your word and to be able to grow from it. So Lord, once again this afternoon, I would ask, Lord, that you would simply allow me to be a tool that you can use, uh, a messenger that can share your word so we might understand exactly what it is you desire for us to do and understand according to your word. Thank you for all that's happened in the past 24 hours, Lord. You know the hearts and, and the minds of these young people. You know where they are going to spend forever at. You know how they're living their lives. You know that there is nothing that they can hide from you, and you know everything about them. So, Father, once again this, this afternoon, as we look into your word, help them to be um, reflective of their own lives. Help them to look inside their own hearts and lives to understand and realize what it is, how it is that they're, they're actually living their lives. I thank you for this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I used to pastor in Kansas City, Kansas, and I pastored down there for eight years. And on Monday afternoons, we would take a group of people from our church, and we would go down to our local school, our local public school. And on Monday afternoons, after school was out, we used to have a good news club uh, in the local school. So it was kind of like a kid's Bible study on Monday afternoons after school was out. So some of the kids that didn't want to go home could come to our time together with us in 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 the school gym, and we would sing some Bible songs, we'd learn a Bible story, we'd memorize some verses, Uh, sometimes we'd do a craft and have a snack and stuff. And one afternoon, we got there a little early, and we were getting ready to go to the gym to set up our stuff, and we got to the gym only to find all of the kids in the school in the gym. I'm like, what's going on? We found out they were having a pep rally. Do your schools have pep rallies, big assemblies, right? And we, we walked in, we kind of walked over to a corner and stayed out of the way, and while we were standing there, we were kind of listening to what was going on. And as we were standing there, we heard that they were getting ready to start a fundraiser. Do your schools do fundraisers? 
where you have to sell something, maybe it's candy bars or something like that, okay? So this school is getting ready to sell all, a variety of different things. And the teachers were up in front of the kids talking about these things that they were going to sell to help make money for the school. And while they were standing there, they were telling the kids, now listen, boys and girls, if you sell five things, you get like a t-shirt. If you sell 10 things, you get like a DVD. If you sell 15 things, you get like an iPod. If you tell, sell 20 things, you get an iPad, right? And it kept going up and up. So the more things the kids sold, the bigger the prize was that they could earn. And, and I remember standing there as the kids got done thinking they're going to hit us up first because we're the first ones in the room. <laughs> they're going to want to sell to us right away. So sure enough, when they dismissed the kids to go home, a bunch of them ran over to us and was asking us if we wanted to buy. And we're like, no, not right now. That's okay. But uh, uh, it was the whole, the whole process of they were so excited to sell the stuff because they knew that they could get something out of it if they sold enough things. Well, do you know what you call it when someone promises you something in return for you doing something for them? Someone said it bribery. The fancy word is incentives, but it's bribery, right? What we're talking about this morning, understanding God's reward, is not bribery, though. It's not bribery that God is trying to get us to serve him so he can give us rewards. That's not what we're looking at this morning. God is not wanting us to live for him and do what he's asking us to do to bribe us into doing things. But instead, God rewards us as a way of him saying thank you to us for serving him. Now, if you remember this morning, we had that picture of the lifeguard who jumps in the water to save you because you're drowning, you're about to die, and that lifeguard pulls you to shore, and they realize you're not breathing, so they do CPR on you, and they bring you back to life, right? And we said that when you woke up, you probably wouldn't just say thank you and get up and walk away. You'd be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, you saved my life, what can I do for you, right? Well, God wants to reward us for serving him, even though he is the one that saved us. It's kind of weird, but remember, God loves us, and God wants to save us. He wants us to live for him, and then he wants to reward us for serving him and for living for him. So in your booklet this morning, you've got this crossword puzzle. I want you to follow along and fill in as we walk through it, because uh, with each verse, we're going we're gonna to find some new words to add to this crossword puzzle. And I know you're tired. I'm tired, too. We've had a lot of fun but I really hope that you'll stick with me for just a few moments longer. Let's talk about God's reward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, it says this, According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I, Paul says, laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward." If anyone works, anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, 
but only as through fire. So as you look at the screen, you see two words, foundation and day. Number nine is foundation. Number four is the word day. So go ahead and fill those in if you haven't already. And I'm going to talk about this verse. Paul is talking here. He's telling the people in the church at Corinth that there's coming a special time in their lives as well as in our lives when God is going to look at everything we've ever done. And Paul says here, there is a foundation in our lives that has been laid. When, if we had the opportunity, we could go outside right now and we could walk out to this big building they're putting behind the chapel. What's that building called? The Rock, right? It's going to be a big gym, really great place for us to spend the afternoons during the winter and winter retreats inside in a big gym, right? But if we were to walk over to that new building called The Rock, we would find that the floor of The Rock is concrete. But what you can't see is there's stuff underneath the concrete. There's rock and there's sand, and they've actually put these big pillars of concrete down to the ground to hold the floor, the concrete floor up. Those pillars underground are what is called the foundation. It's the part you really can't see of the building, but if the foundation is not right, the whole building could fall over and crumble. Paul says the foundation that's been laid is, was laid by a skilled master builder. The foundation Paul's talking about in his life is the understanding he has that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus died on the cross for his sins, and Jesus is the one who, sh- who he should be living his life for. Paul says, I know who Jesus is, and Jesus is the foundation of my life. Everything I do is going to be be done because of what Jesus did for me. And Paul says, upon that foundation then, upon that foundation is laid, is is Jesus Christ. But he says, I'm going to build on top of that foundation. It would be really silly for the camp just to pour a slab of concrete on the ground where the gym's going to go, but never put walls up, to never put doors in or a ceiling Just have a big concrete slab would be kind of a waste of time and waste of money. Paul says, we're going to take that foundation, though, and we're going to build on it. And he says he's going to build upon that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. And then he says, we're going to put them all on this special platform, and we're going to set it on fire. Which of those elements that Paul lists off are going to burn up? Is gold going to burn up? No. Is the silver going to burn up? No. Are the precious stones going to build up, burn up? No. What about that wood? We've got a couple of wood burning uh, fireplaces that are on the camp this last couple of days, haven't we? We've seen those. What about hay? That's gone like that, right? What about straw? Same thing, right? Gone real fast. Paul is saying the things that I did for God, the things that glorify God are pictured like gold, silver, and precious stones. They're going to stay there after they've been tried. But the wood, hay, and straw, the things that I didn't do for God, but I did for myself, they're going to be gone. They were pointless. They were worthless. And he says, each one's work will become manifest. It will become known for the day will disclose it. Notice that word day is capitalized. Paul is talking about a very specific day. It's what we'll call here in a few moments from now, the judgment day. The foundation of Paul's life is the belief that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to forgive him of his sins. And that's the very reason why Paul says, I live and why I do what I do. On top of that, he's saying, though, I've done things to reinforce that belief that I believe that Jesus died for me, but I've also done things where I've lived for my own life. I haven't pleased God. And as he says, I wasn't 
promoting Christ. I was living for myself. He's saying, I've done things to prove to other people and myself that I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, so I've glorified him. But I've also done things in my life that, I, that says I don't really believe that Jesus died for me, and I've forgotten about it. For example, the Bible says that there are times that Paul was beaten by others because of his faith. But he, because he believed that Jesus was the Savior of the world and that Jesus died for him, Paul was saying, I, I was willing to be beaten. People didn't believe me, but I believed it, so I was willing to be beaten. But Paul also says that there were times in his life when he knew what he was supposed to do, how to glorify God, but he chose not to do it. He chose not to do it. Which do you think... God was glorified and pleased in. The things that Paul knew and Paul did for God or the things that Paul did knowing that they weren't for God? Which one? The ones for God, right? The ones for God. God is pleased when our lives are lived understanding what, that we know what Jesus did for us. The verse also says for us that there's a special time or a special day that's going to come. So there's a special day, we call it the judgment seat, or the judgment day. And on that day, each of us that are Christians are going to stand before God in heaven, and our lives are going to be examined. Everything that you've ever said, everything you've ever thought, everything you've ever done, will be asked, God's going to ask you, why did you do that? And we will have to give an answer, an answer to him as to why we did what we did. For example, someday in heaven, God is asking, going to ask you basically, on January 23rd, 2021, at 3.31 in the afternoon, when you were sitting in chapel while Pastor Nathan was speaking, were you paying attention? God is going to ask on that day, why were you talking to your neighbor? On that day, he's going to ask, were you taking notes when Pastor Nathan asked you to? You see, God is going to ask us questions about everything we have ever done because he wants to know why we chose to do them. Because he wants to know when we did those things, were we doing it to glorify him or were we doing it to glorify ourselves, to make ourselves happy? The verse here says that if we do things in our life to please him, we are going to be rewarded. Something's going to happen. But if we do things not thinking about him, we won't be rewarded for those things. So if we are doing what we've been asked by God to do, we will be rewarded. But if we, won't, if we don't do them for God's glory, we won't be rewarded. If I told you that for every time you clicked your pen, I was going to give you a dollar, how many times would you click your pen, Right? If you clicked your pen a hundred times, how much would I give you? A hundred dollars. So what if I told you if, if you clicked your pen, I would give you a dollar, and, and you clicked it ten times, how much would I give you? Ten dollars. But what would happen if I looked at you, and you looked at me, and I said, I will give you a dollar for every time you click your pen, but you said, Psh, I don't believe you're going to give me a dollar for every time you click, I click my pen, so you don't click your pen at all. How much am I going to give you? Zero. Finito. That's right. The same is true with our lives before God. You can stop clicking your pens now, thanks. The same is true with our lives before God. God is only going to reward us for doing the things that he's asked us to do by glorifying him. 
But if we choose to do things because we want to do them, even though God doesn't want us to do them, we're going to lose out on those rewards. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, it says, so, Paul says, so, because of those things, because we're going to stand before God, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, while we're alive here on earth, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We'd rather be in heaven, Paul says, than be here. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Do you remember last night when we talked about the word all? What do we say about the word all? All means all, right? So in this verse, when it says we must all appear, who's all? All of us, all believers, all Christians, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, whether good or bad, whether glorifying to God or not glorifying to God. This verse tells us that this day that we talked about just a moment ago is actually what's called the judgment day, or we read it here as the judgment seat of Christ. If you've ever watched a movie with a court hearing in it, you've seen the judge sitting behind a big desk, right, in a courtroom, and he decides whether or not the person who's being examined is telling the truth or not. And he's sitting upon what's called the judgment seat. The judge sits on the judgment seat, and he decides whether or not the person before him is being honest or not. Let me ask you something, young people. Can we hide things from God? Does God know everything? Yes, so when we stand before God and have to give an account for everything we've done in our lives, will we be able to lie to him? No. Will we have to tell the truth? We will have to be honest because God already knows the correct answer to our questions. So Jesus will be sitting on that judgment seat and he will be asking us these questions. And we will have to be honest with him because he knows whether we're lying or not. But guess what? What's not in heaven? What did we say last night can't be in heaven? Sin. So we can't lie in heaven anyways. We can't make excuses in heaven. We will have to tell the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 says, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There's a number of words there you are supposed to put on your crossword puzzle there. Fight, race, crown, righteous. That's number two down, by the way. And award. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He's saying, I've done what I am supposed to do. I have finished my race. I did my very best. Quick question, real fast. Was Paul perfect? No. Paul was a sinner just like you and me. Paul needed Jesus to forgive him of his sins just like we do. He didn't, he wasn't perfect because he sinned just like you and me. But he is going to be rewarded for the things that he did the things that God asked him to do because he glorified God with his life. He knew that Jesus died on the cross for him and he knew he was going to be rewarded. Paul goes on and he says that he's going, because he fought that good fight and he finished the race and he kept the faith, because he did that, he's going to receive a special crown. 
a special reward, a special trophy as an award for living the way that God wanted him to live in his life. He says, I've lived my life in the best way that I could that would bring God glory, just the way God wanted me to. And now he says, when I get to heaven on that special day, when I stand before God, I know that God is going to award me with this special crown, this special trophy, because I lived for him. Did you know that the Bible tells us, though, that there's different types of crowns that we can receive in heaven? This verse here talks about the crown of righteousness, but over in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, we have the crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. I'm guessing that that crown probably looks different than the crown of, of righteousness that we just looked at. Just like there's different types of trophies at different sporting events, they don't all look the same, do they? So this crown probably looks a little different than the first crown. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us about the crown of life. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That sounds like that particular crown goes to believers who are persecuted for their faith. Just like what Saul was trying to do to Christians when he first got saved, there will be some people thrown into jail, thrown into prison because of their faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19, it says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So there's another crown, a crown of rejoicing. So we have here a list of crowns that we will be given, that will be given to those who believe that Jesus died on the cross for them, if they're eligible to be awarded those crowns for the things they did. There might be some of these crowns that you and I may not do the things required to receive them. And that's okay, there's not a problem with that, but there will be people who do those things who will receive those crowns. Here's a question though. What do you think we will do with those crowns that God gives to us? What's the natural thing that you do with a crown? What would you do with a crown? Yeah, what do you do with a crown? Okay. You could sell it. Do you think the Queen of England would ever sell her crown? No. What does she do with her crown? She puts it on her head. She wears it, right? Normally, you would wear a crown on your head. Okay, normally you would put it up on your head and you would wear it. But that's not what we're going to do with our crowns in heaven. That's not what the Bible tells us we're going to do with our crowns. Instead, we're going to do something special with them. Look at this passage in Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Listen as I read it. The word is worthy, number 7. But while I read it, listen very carefully. John writes these words, and he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, that's people, older people, um, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. 
From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease, they never stop to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, that 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him with who, and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Who is this person who's sitting on the throne, the big throne? Who is it? It's God. It's Jesus. Okay. Jesus is seated on this throne. We read about the one who's seated on the throne. He has the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Those are bright colors. And it talks about the throne that he's sitting on, sitting on. And it's got a rainbow around it that's so bright that the green color looks like emeralds. If you've ever looked at a, at a rainbow before, the green color is kind of a color that's kind of washed out. This rainbow is so bright that the green is like emerald, dark green. Talks about that around this one throne, there are 24 other thrones. And on those 24 other thrones sit 24 elders or, or um, uh, older people in, who, who would be closest to, uh, to Christ. And those individuals are clothed in white garment. Guess who else wears white clothes in heaven? Us. We will. We'll, 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 we will wear white garments in heaven. And if we've received crowns, we'll also have crowns in heaven. And when these four living creatures, their angels, proclaim before the throne, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, these 24 elders take their crowns and they throw them at the feet of Jesus on the throne that he's sitting on. And they say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and worship and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. This verse tells us they take those crowns and we're going to take our crowns and we're going to throw them back at the Jesus at the foot of his, of his, of his uh, throne showing that we didn't live our lives for him so we could be rewarded. We lived our lives to worship and glorify him because of what he did for us. Imagine in our story we talked about this morning with the lifeguard who stood up and saved your life. Imagine that after they saved your life, you did a bunch of things for them. You, you wanted to show them just how thankful you were for saving your life. Maybe you, you get them drinks, maybe you buy them candy, maybe you do their laundry, you do their homework, whatever it is. You do all sorts of different things. You do all kinds of things to say thank you that they say it for saving your life. But then the lifeguard turns to you and says, you know what? Thank you. Here's $1,000. That don't make no sense. The lifeguard just saved your life, so you do all this stuff for the lifeguard, but then the lifeguard wants to say thank you back to you and wants to give you $1,000. That doesn't make any sense. You're the one that should be giving them the $1,000, not them giving the $1,000 to you, right? How weird that would be. We would be the ones owing the lifeguard. The lifeguard doesn't owe us anything. So what would we probably say when the lifeguard tried to give us $1,000? No, you keep it. 
I don't want your money. I'm, not, you, I'm doing this for you because you saved, me, saved my life. Don't, don't pay me or give me anything for it. I'm, I'm indebted to you. You see, young people, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, suddenly you owed him your life because he saved you. Your life that you used to live and do whatever it was that you wanted to do with it was now different because if Jesus really saved you from your sins, you should really want to please him. He saved you from going to hell. You couldn't save yourself. Only he could do that for you. And in order to do that, he had to go to the cross to die for you. And it was a painful death that he died for you. With nails in his hands, we read about the whip that ripped his skin open in his back, the crown of thorns that they had put on his head, all those things that he went through, he did for you. And now we have the opportunity to live our lives for him. But God wants to say thank you in response to that. So look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19-20 through 20 says, Or do you not know that your body, your life, is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. The life that God has given to you is a gift that he wants to use he wants you to live for him. We talked about being this living sacrifice this morning. We'll talk more just about that in just a moment. But our responsibility during this life is to live for the glory of God, to glorify him with everything we have, with everything we say, with everything we do, all, everything, everything we think should be done for the glory of God because we're not our own, because we were bought with a price. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were brought into his family. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we see it again. It says, I appeal to you, or I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that, you may, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our lives are not our own, and we should be living for God, not for the things that we want. If you've been following up with my crossword puzzle, though, there's one word left, isn't there? There's one left, and it's probably really one of the most important words that we're going to look at this morning as we kind of come to a close. You see, young people, Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 through 13, some of the very last verses of your Bible say this. And behold, Jesus speaking says, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus says, I am coming quickly, and when I come, I'm bringing my reward with me to give to everyone according to his work. According to the things you've done in your life, you will be rewarded by God, by Christ. And the passage says he's coming quickly. How quickly is quickly? What's that mean? Fast, soon. It means soon, okay? You see, young men and women, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. And it, nobody knows when we're going to stand before his judgment seat. But there is a day coming, and he says he's coming quickly, or he's coming really, really soon. If a teacher steps outside of your classroom and says, I'll be right back, how long do you think that teacher's going to be gone? You don't really know, do you? It could be a few, few moments, could be a little longer time. You don't know. But one thing you do have to be ready for is for the teacher to walk back in the room, right? 
You have to be ready because when the teacher comes back, hopefully the teacher is expecting to see you still working and still be at your desk and doing what you're supposed to be doing. The same is true with Jesus. He says, I'm coming back soon, and I'm coming back with my reward to give to you. Young people, Jesus saved you from your sins, and because of that, you owe him your life. Everything you do, think, or say should be done for his glory and for his honor. The Bible says whatever you eat or whatever you drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. That means that when you say something, you better make sure that what you're saying is pleasing to God. When you do something, you better make sure that you, what you are doing is pleasing to God. Whatever you do should be pleasing to God. You should do your very best at your schoolwork because that would please God. You should obey your parents because that would please God. You should listen in church and sing in church and take notes in church because that would be pleasing to God. And someday when you get to heaven and God asks you the question, did you do your best on your schoolwork? You can say, yes, I did my best, just like you told me to. And God is going to reward you for that. And when he says, did you obey your parents like I told you? If you did that, you can say, yes. And he's going to award you and so on. Everything you say, think, or do in this lifetime, it will be judged. And God is not going to forget about anything because he is perfect and he knows everything. So at the end of each of our sessions that we've had together, I've given you some action steps, haven't I? I've given you a couple of questions to think about, and then I've given you what to do if you answer yes or no to my questions. Here's my questions this afternoon as we get ready to head home. I want you to ask yourself this question, these questions. Am I ready for the day? Are you ready if Jesus were to come today to stand before him and give him an account for the things you've done? Are you ready to stand before Jesus and tell him why you've done what you've done? Are you excited about God's rewards? Are you excited about serving him now so that you can have crowns in the future to throw back at his feet to worship him in heaven? Another question. Do you want to glorify God? Is that something you want to do? Understanding what Jesus has done for you, do you want to say thank you to Jesus for what he's done? Do you want to glorify him? And my last question, kind of an important one, am I living for God? Are you doing your best to obey God's word? Are you reading God's word? Are you praying and spending time with God in prayer? Are you getting to know God? Are you growing in knowledge of who he is? Again, this afternoon, if your answer is no to these questions, I want you to ask yourself, why not? Why aren't you ready for the day? Why aren't you excited about God's reward? Why don't you want to glorify God? Why aren't you living for God? Again, like this morning, the answer no to these questions kind of leads to the idea that there might be some sin in your life that you need to deal with. There might be something going on in your life where you need to say, why don't I want to glorify God? Maybe today you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Maybe today you're not planning on going to heaven. Maybe today you're not living your life for the glory of God, so therefore you're not ready for the day of judgment. I want you to make sure you talk to your leaders if that's the case, because we want you to know that you can go to heaven. Your sins can be forgiven. If God tells you to live for him, why aren't you living for him? That's called obedience, to doing, doing what God wants you to do. And when you're not doing what God wants you to do, then you're not living in obedience. If your answer is yes, that you are ready for the day, and you are excited about rewards, and you are glorifying God, and you are living for him, if your answer is yes, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask God to help you keep it that way. 
as you grow older, young people, there are going to be more things that are going to come into your life that are going to try to attract you to do those things rather than what God wants you to do. There are going to be things that you're going to face in your life that are going to seem really special, really exciting. And those things, though, unfortunately, though, can take you away from God and cause you to put your attention on the things that you want to do rather than what God wants you to do. So I want you to pray. If you really are excited about the day and about the rewards and serving God and those things, I want you to pray that God would help you to stay faithful to him. That when those cool things come along, that you don't decide to go off and do them, even though it's as something that God doesn't want you to do, that you stay faithful to him. And I want you to know that God wants to reward you. God wants to reward you, to say thank you to you for you living your life for him. That sounds really weird. But in that act, we have the opportunity to throw those crowns back at Jesus' feet and say, we lived our lives for you. Not for a bribe, not for incentives, but to say thank you for, living, for uh, allowing us to live for you. And then one more thing. I want you to tell someone something you do, something you do to live for God. Maybe it's some of the things we talked about this morning opening doors for people at church or um, helping shovel sidewalks or sending birthday cards or something like that. I want you to tell someone what it is that you do to serve God. And what that can do then is you can share ideas and have ideas amongst yourselves that you can encourage each other to do more of. That's part of wanting to glorify God. I want to say thank you so much for your attentiveness today, last night and today, for being such good listeners. I really do hope and pray that you will take this information home with you. If you didn't finish your crossword puzzle, there it is. In case you're missing a word, one more chance to get the words filled in. There they all are. But I really do appreciate you listening and being so careful listeners this morning and yesterday to God's word. And I pray that you will take this information home with you and live it out. This isn't just for winter retreat. This is for you to take with you and understand Jesus died for you. Jesus wants you to live for him. And someday you're going to stand before God and give an account for your actions. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for our time that we've had this morning and this afternoon and yesterday. Lord, allow us to go from this place excited with the understanding that we know that you, died, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we can know that our lives ought to be lived for you. And we can know that we are going to spend eternity with you because our sins are forgiven in heaven. And we know that one day we will stand before you and have to give an account for our actions. So, Lord, with that mindset, with knowing that's going to happen in our futures, help us now, even at whatever age we may be now at, to live our lives for your glory and for your honor, never knowing when we're going to see you face to face because we know you're coming quickly. But Father, always being prepared for that moment. In Jesus' name, amen.